Good morning. I have really been looking forward to this day. This is a special day for several reasons. Uh, Ryan mentioned them already, but obviously today's Father's Day, and we certainly want to uh, recognize and appreciate all our dads. It's also graduation weekend. Yeah, go go for it. And graduation weekend, and so you're all invited. We're going to do a little honoring of the graduates down in the gym immediately following uh, worship here. And then the other reason today is special is because this is the Sunday before our missions team heads off to Uganda, Africa. And um, they have been praying, they have been fundraising, they have been preparing themselves in all kinds of ways for, for quite a while now. And they're just about ready to go, and most of them are right here in the front, so I get to speak to them, and the rest of you can listen in. And uh, this, is, this is a terrific team. Uh, I hope I get through this okay. I feel like a big part of my heart's going to Africa, and I know that's true for many of you as well. This is a great team. And, and you guys... You're a missions team. You're a missions team. And what that means is that the reason you've come together, the reason you've done all this hard work of fundraising and getting passports, getting yellow fever shots, and all the rest of it, the reason is so that you can take the love and the message of Jesus to some other people in another place and just before you go there's just some things i uh some things jesus said that i want to point out to you that i think are really important for you to keep in mind as you go in john chapter 13 jesus is having a team meeting with the world's first christian missions team otherwise known as the 12 disciples. And these are the first people that Jesus is going to send out into the world to tell others about him, to do good things in his name, so that people can put their trust in him and uh, know who he is. And Jesus is having a meeting with these guys, and uh, time is getting short In just a few hours, Jesus is going to be arrested, and he's going to be crucified. And then he's going to be raised from the dead to do do what needed to be done to provide the ultimate solution for our ultimate problem, our sin problem. And that that is the thing. I mean, that's what's going to motivate the mission, taking that message, that good news of who Jesus is and what he has done for all of us and it's not going to be long and jesus knows that and he knows he's no longer going to be physically present with these guys and they're going to have this this amazing task to fulfill so there's a sense of urgency about this meeting there are huge things there are very big things at stake here and the thing about these guys they don't seem to really get it. 
They just don't get it. I mean, it seems like they need something to happen to, uh, to shake them up. You know, like, like bring in a, one of those motivational speaker guys and, and give them just an intense motivational speech or, or, or kind of a drill sergeant speech and chew these guys out, you know. And Jesus doesn't do either of those things. Instead, he does something completely unexpected. So I want you to look with me. We're going to look at John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. And uh, you can follow along on the screen or uh, grab a Bible and uh, turn to John chapter 13. Here's what it says. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. So typical of Peter. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew he was going to betray him. That's why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So think about it. Of all the things Jesus could have done at this moment to get these people ready, the very first thing he does is wash their feet. And if that seems weird to you, you need to know it seemed a whole lot weirder to these guys. I mean, foot washing was the job of the lowest household servant, lowest person on the totem pole. So the disciples thought it was totally inappropriate for Jesus to be doing this. 
I mean, he's their teacher. He's their master. This was beneath him. He should not be doing this. But he did it. And he did it to get their attention and to really impress on them some critical lessons for those who are going to do what he's called us to do, to represent him and to serve him, to be his servants, to take his message, fulfill his mission. And so I just want to point out two of those lessons for you guys. Okay? Here's the first one. Before you can serve for Jesus, you have to be served by Jesus. Before you can serve for Jesus, you have to be served by Jesus. Or to say it another way, you can't serve Jesus until you let him serve you. Now, I'm sure to some people that sounds disrespectful, maybe even blasphemous. You know, what? Jesus serve us? That's crazy. He's the Lord. We're the servants. This isn't right. And see, that's what was freaking out the disciples. They thought that exact same thing. They're like, this can't be happening. Just imagine them. They're sitting there with, they're about to have dinner, and their feet are disgusting. Grungy, grimy feet. And the way they would share a meal is they'd all kind of recline around a low table, and so your face wasn't very far from somebody's feet. (laughs) So they all knew it needed to happen. They're sitting there with these grimy dirty feet, needing to be washed. But see, these are the same guys that are always arguing with each other about which one of them was the greatest, which one of them was at the top. So there is no way that any one of them is going to do the job. And so they're looking around. They're saying, hey, where's the servant? Where's that servant? Where's the servant who's going to wash our feet? And Jesus stands up and basically says, I'm the servant. I'm your teacher. I'm your Lord. And I am your servant to make you clean. And the minds of the disciples are officially blown at this point. Just totally blown. So Peter, you know, he's one of those guys that whatever goes through his mind comes out of his mouth. Always says what he's thinking. He's not about to let Jesus wash his feet. There is no way. That, because he thought that was just demeaning, that was dishonoring to Jesus for him to do that. There's no way Jesus should serve them. But then Jesus says something totally shocking. He says... Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Now, they didn't get it at the time. But Jesus was making a much bigger point here than simply the importance of good personal hygiene at the dinner table. The foot washing was actually a symbol of a much greater cleansing. By washing their feet, Jesus was symbolizing what he was about to do in going to the cross, accomplishing the cleansing of their sin. A 
accomplishing the cleansing of sin for everyone who will trust in him. And, you know, Peter himself would write about this years later. 1 Peter 3.18, he says this, For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. One of the biggest misconceptions out there is that Christianity is some kind of religious program It's a set of rituals or a set of rules that you have to keep in order to get yourself to God. And if you do a good job of it, if you you keep the rules and the rituals well enough, if you do enough good things for Jesus, if you serve Him hard enough, then maybe, just maybe, you'll make it. You'll be in. That is not the gospel. That is not good news. It is not good news to be told how hard I have to work to maybe make it with God. How hard I need to improve myself to make it with God. That's bad news. That's not the good news. That's not the gospel. That's never been the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus brings us to God based on what He did for us, not based on what we can do for Him. And that means then we have to swallow our pride. And we have to let Jesus serve us and do for us what we cannot do. Listen to what he said in Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. There is no serving Jesus until he serves you. There is no serving Jesus until you let him wash you. And really, that's just the beginning. That's just the beginning. Think of the Apostle Paul. He was probably the greatest missionary of all time. I mean, he knew all about going on mission trips. He went so far, traveled great distances, mostly on foot, to, uh, to take the love and the truth of Jesus to people in other places who hadn't heard it. And he suffered a great deal for it. I mean, he suffered imprisonments. He suffered uh, beatings. And ultimately, he was executed for his commitment to Christ. And, And you could read about him and you could think, well, man, there's a guy who really, man, this guy really served the Lord. But listen to what he himself said about it. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, if you'd asked Paul, hey, Paul, are you a servant of Jesus? He would have said, absolutely, of course. In fact, That's how he describes himself in some of his letters. You know, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. But he knew something absolutely critical. It's so important that you guys get this. He knew that in all of his serving, all of his serving was only possible because of what Jesus had done and was going to do 
in and through him. His serving Christ was always relying on Christ. That's what he means when he says, the life I live, I live by faith, by relying on the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He relied on Christ to do the work in him and through him. And that's what all real Christian serving is. So if you guys go with, you know, the big Superman symbol on your chest thinking, here I go, I'm going to serve. That isn't it. Think, I'm going to go and I'm going to rely on Jesus to do what he wants to do in me and through me. Before, before you serve for Jesus, you have to be served by Jesus. All right, so here's the other lesson. Christian serving is Christ-like serving. Christian serving is Christ-like serving. A lot of things have been done in this world in the name of Jesus. Many of them very good, and many of them very bad. And what's really pathetic is when somebody does something allegedly in service to Jesus that is nothing like the way he himself served. But if it's not done the way Jesus would do it, then what we're doing is not what he would do. Remember what he says here. Right after he had just taken on, you know, this this lowly role of the lowliest servant to do the lowliest thing imaginable. You know, we, we can't even grasp how, what a, what a despised thing this was to do, to wash feet. After he does that, he says, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. In other words, do it like I did it. Do it the way I did. And the point is, if we're going to represent him, we've got to do it the way he did it. We've got to serve the way he served. We've got to serve with, here's the key, humility. That's Christ-like serving, serving with humility. That's how he served. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean to serve with humility? I'll tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that you go around thinking you're worthless. It doesn't mean you think you're a piece of junk. That's not how Jesus served. In fact, the passage kind of goes out of its way to stress just how secure Jesus was in knowing who he was and, and what his true identity and worth is. Verse 13, he says, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. And in verse 3, this is even more impressive, it says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and he had come from God and was returning to God. He knew who he was. He was perfectly confident in who he was. And then it says, so, knowing this, knowing all of this, then he got up from the table, took off his outer clothing, wrapped himself with a towel, and began washing their feet. He served knowing who he was. He, he wasn't worried about what other people were going to think. 
He wasn't serving out of weakness. He wasn't trying to earn their approval. He wasn't trying to impress them with what a great guy he was. It's so easy. It's so easy to do that. It is so easy to serve out of a sense of our need. You know, maybe, uh, maybe it's a desire to be noticed. Maybe it's a desire to feel good about ourselves. Maybe it's a desire to feel important. But see, all of that is selfish. That's serving out of what it does for us. Instead of focusing on the needs of somebody else. And that's what Christian serving is. That's what Christ-like serving is. Focusing on someone else's needs. It's, you know, the old saying, it's not about me. Now, here's what makes that really tricky as a missions team. This idea of, okay, going to, to meet their needs or serving their needs. What makes that especially tricky is uh, when you're in a different culture, it's not easy to know what the needs are all the time. It's not even that easy to know what real needs are in our own culture. But then you get into a completely different culture, and it's, it's a whole different ballgame. That's why it has been difficult to let you guys know exactly what you're going to be doing over there in that orphanage. You know, we, we have some ideas, but see, we Americans, man, we're really into detailed schedules and planning ahead and having everything figured out before we get there. Most of the world does not work that way. So you really won't know exactly what you'll be doing, and even what you think you'll be doing might change when you get there. You won't know until you get there, until you see what the actual needs are of the moment, what other people know the needs are. So you're going to have to uh, keep your eyes open, keep your ears open. You're going to have to really work hard to not assume that you know what needs to happen. And you're going to have to listen. You're going to have to find out what other people need you to do, not necessarily what you want to do. And here's what it means most of all. It means you're going to have to continually ask Jesus to help you have a humility like his. To to humbly rely on him. And that just circles us back right to the first point. Serving by relying on Jesus to serve you, to serve in you, to serve through you. Now, we're going to do something that I hope is kind of unusual. It's the first time I've ever done it. Um, but what I'm really hoping this will do is just kind of cement these ideas in your minds and keep them in mind as you go. Um, in just a minute, our other elders are going to come, and we're going to invite each member of the Uganda team to come up And we're going to ask you to allow us to wash your feet and to pray for you individually while we're doing that. I realize your feet probably don't need washing. I know they don't need washing like the disciples' feet needed washing, okay? But but we're doing this, we're doing this to help these lessons just be vivid and memorable for you. Try to help you keep these in mind. Okay, and here's two things, two things I especially want you to keep in mind while, while you're sitting in the chair, okay? 
So the big lesson, you know, you, it's Jesus serving in you, serving you, serving through you, and Christian serving is Christ-like serving, okay? But then there's two other things I really want you to think about while you're sitting there. And the first thing I want you to think about is how much Jesus loves you. Verse 1 says that he did this. He did this foot washing thing to show his disciples the full extent of his love. He loved them enough not only to get down and serve them and wash their feet. He loved them enough to go to the cross to provide the ultimate cleansing that they needed. And what was true of them is true for every one of you. So I want you to think about how much Jesus loves you. And the other thing I want you to think about as your feet are getting washed is how much your church family loves you. I want you to think about that. Jesus really wanted his team to succeed. And we really want you to succeed. And I'm not even trying to define in advance what that looks like. I have no idea what that means other than you go relying on Jesus and you serve with Christ-like humility. And then whatever God does in your life, whatever God does through you, that will be success. But your church family loves you. That's why we have given. That's why we have prayed. That's why we will continue to pray the whole time you're gone. So as you are sitting there and you feel the warmth of that water, I hope that it's warm. (laughs) As you feel the warmth of the water, as you feel the touch of the elder's hand, I just want that to be just a tangible, memorable, vivid reminder to you of how much you are loved, how much you are valued. And go with that knowledge. Go with that confidence.